All right, after getting embarrassed by the Islanders on opening night at the Garden, the Rangers rebounded to beat the Islanders 5 to nothing on Saturday. A huge bounce-back performance from the Rangers. Uh, Georgiev gets the win in the shutout. Shesterkin uh, backing up. And uh, goals galore. Uh, Bushnevich with two. Panarin with a couple. Capo uh, Kako with a goal. So uh, things certainly looked way better for the Rangers in their second game of the season than it did in their first game. It's good to see that this team still has that because I was worried you can't just start stacking these losses together this season and you come off that game one effort you don't know what you're going to get in game two um it certainly helped out that cal clutterbuck's shooting pucks high in warm-ups taking out his starting goalie so that Ilya sirokin has to make his nhl de- debut uh without any notice without any chance to really get ready and that helped but the rangers defense was good too the islanders didn't score a goal the rangers looked like a completely different team and i have a feeling we're going to sort of get that from them all season where you get these performances like you did on game one they followed up with a performance like they did in game two the problem with that is you can't be a 500 team if you have postseason dreams if you have any aspiration of getting to the playoffs in this crazy season in this deep talented difficult east division you can't have that but to get a win out of that two-game series against the Islanders is huge. And now the Rangers have a couple days off before they play the Devils on Tuesday night. And then they have a few more days off before they play the Penguins on Friday. So a little break here out of the gate in a season where they'll average pretty much a game every other day the entire way. So it's good to have uh, you know a little separation here in the next few days uh, to get everything sort of in order after two drastically different performances. And after this big win, it's, it's a much different tone for the Rangers and their fans and and Islanders fan Mike Carver, the host of the ILC podcast, joined me to talk about the Rangers Islanders in this opening two game series, um, as well as some other things, including some uh, NHL gambling. So here we go. All right, and joining me today to talk Rangers Islanders after the teams finished off their two game series to open the season is Mike Carver of the ILC podcast. Mike, how's it going today? Hey, Neil. What's up, buddy? How you <laughs> Good, good. You know, I, I shouldn't even ask you how it's going because uh, the ILC podcast signing on with Action Park Media. You've got your Notre Dame football in the college playoff. The Yankees, uh, they get LeMahieu back. They sign Corey Kluber. The Bills are in the AFC championship game. I feel like, you know, the Islanders from coming off an Eastern Conference final, you, you better be buying Powerball tickets right now. Bro, it's amazing. All I needed was a, a pandemic to keep me at home for 10 months. So all the good stuff started happening to my sports team. It really is, it really is weird how uh, all this stuff has gone on. I mean, God, Islanders go to the East Finals. I spent the whole thing in a bunker in my house. And now the Bills are in the AFC Cup Championship game. And the same thing. I haven't left the house. To go. I mean, geez, you know, you know that on uh, that Saturday night against Baltimore, I would have been in the Velo, no doubt about it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know it, 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 but listen, it's a fun ride. Everything's going great right now. Uh, yeah, the pod moves to Action Park Media. The great Kevin Connolly uh, brought me on board. So yeah, things are things are happening, buddy. And I know, and I know for you, for you know this type of lifestyle, a guy who's you know always out and about doing the remote pods, doing the live pods at the games in all the buildings. For you to stay home during this run for your sports teams, that, that's tough. It's been yeah, real tough. Uh, I mean, real tough. Uh, that Islander run um, really would have been uh, would have been fun at the Nassau Coliseum or at the Offside Tavern in Manhattan. Like it would have been some scene for them to win. You know, basically three rounds of playoffs. Uh, and then that lightning series, and now this Bills run. I mean, geez, that is a, I, I could I'd be coming home on a flight right now, Neil, on a Sunday morning <laughs> after. <laughs> I mean, I just, it's um, it's it's bizarre. It's weird. Um, 
and let's just hope I'm not trying to find my way down to look. Me, my wife would never let me do it, but God, if I can get down to Tampa, <laughs> Tampa in two weeks, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was starting to all come together for the Bills because you know, 30 years ago, their first Super Bowl appearance when they lost that brutal game to the Giants on the on the Norwood wide right. Where was the game in Tampa? So can the Bills get back 30 years later <laughs> to the place to the to the place of their first? Uh, you know, bad Super Bowl experience. Back to Tampa. Let's do it, baby. <laughs> I like that. I like that storyline. I will say one thing, though. If you look at your teams here, you know, Notre Dame, they lose in the semis. Yankees, four ALCS semi-losses last 10 years. Isles losing the semis. Bills are in the semis. At some point, you got to finish one of these. Yeah, no. Somebody's got to get across the finish line here. There, there's no doubt. Uh, a, a lot of close calls. Notre Dame never had a shot. We know. The thing about it. Everybody kills Notre Dame because everybody hates Notre Dame. And let's be fair. I mean, it, it is what it is. If you're not a Notre Dame fan, everybody spits them. I mean, they don't like them. Um, nobody, nobody's beaten Alabama. Yeah. Like, Alabama is the best team every year. Clemson's right there with them. And then there's a huge drop-off. I mean, you saw it. Ohio State got, there, got destroyed in that game. I mean, nobody – actually, the Irish did a better job against – Yeah, they did. They did. Alabama than Ohio State did. So – um, it's I can't see the Irish doing it, but I think that this is uh this is close here. I, I think the Bills really have as good a shot as any of these other teams. Now they're gonna be facing some you know, real good you know, for them to finish this off, Neil, let's think about this. I mean, they're gonna have to probably beat Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City and then follow that up by beating either Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, or Tom Brady. Uh, in the Super Bowl, and Tom Brady, as we know from New England, he's only you know thirty-two and three against the Bills in his career. So um, that's you know it's there's a tough hill to climb, but somebody's got to get me across the finish line. You know, you ain't kidding. Yeah, maybe you'll catch a break and you'll get Baker Mayfield next week. <laughs> Let's hope so. That game would be in Buffalo too. Yeah. Let's hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, for you, uh, opening night on Thursday night, Rangers Islanders at the Garden, and that's the Islander team that they look like they hadn't missed a beat since the summer. The Rangers look like a team of young, inexperienced guys who haven't had a real training camp, haven't had preseason games, don't know each other. Look like you know a pickup game almost, just a bunch of guys who are meeting for the first time. But that's the Islander team that that I think for Rangers fans scares the shit out of Rangers fans because. They get an early goal, let alone two early goals. The game is over four minutes into the game. That's the Islanders' formula. You've talked about it a million times. And once they get to three, lock it up, shut it down. That's the game, period. So that game was over to me in the first two minutes. You want to give them the four minutes? Okay. But once Barzell scores, it's really over. Yeah, once the Islanders grab you 3 nothing, especially that early in the game, they put you to sleep. I mean, they just choke you out. It, it, it is what it is. It's the style that Barry Trotz plays. It's what he's taught this team to do. So, yeah, on Thursday night, there was definitely that feeling of the second period, it was kind of like you're just sitting there, and you literally were like, wow, what's going on? You're falling asleep. Because, like, they, they, the Islanders weren't pressing the issue, trying to score anymore, and they weren't allowing the Rangers to do anything. And it was – Look, it was a bad effort by the Rangers, too. I'm sure you'll admit that. The Rangers played awful yeah. on Thursday night. They didn't do themselves any favors. Uh, the Islanders went in there, took care of business, and then, you know, you, you flip it back. And this is what's going to be interesting, Neil, is how the NHL season is set up this year with this weird 56 games where you're playing the same seven teams eight times. You have all these little mini back-to-backs 
against the same team spread out throughout the entire schedule. I feel like we just saw uh, in these first two games what we're going to see a lot in these mini two-game series. One team, you know, if there's a dominating effort on night one, I feel like the other team is going to come out, you know, really give the dominating effort in night two. Like, I, I, you, it just it just kind of feels that way. You saw it with Edmonton-Vancouver the yep. first two nights. You've seen it with Islanders-Rangers. You know, um, even the Devils were able to come back and get a win over Boston in the second leg of their little mini back-to-back. So I think it's something that we're going to have to really watch. Yeah, it, it is, and you bring up other series, and uh, certainly that's been the case. Even Toronto, Ottawa was like that. Uh, you know what's yeah. going to separate these teams because there's no rubber game in these series is just who can sweep these mini two gamers. And Philly did it to Pittsburgh. Now Pittsburgh's in a hole. Washington did it to Buffalo. And the way the East is built, it's so tough. You can't stack losses. I mean, three and four game losing streaks. You have a couple of those, and you're going to be buried in a 56 game season. No doubt. It, it is going to be so crucial to split these things. It just is. Um, you saw it. I mean, Pittsburgh loses the first two games and get no points out of it. Uh, I was looking at the standings this morning. You know, the East is the one division that's got a couple teams that don't have points. Now, I can't count the Central. They've got the Dallas thing going on. Florida hasn't played. Dallas hasn't played because of it. But all, you know, the West and the, and the North, every team has at least a point. Whereas in the East, Buffalo's lost two, Penguins have lost two, and the Penguins are staring the Capitals down on Sunday afternoon on NBC. Um, you're right. You get in a hole here, and it's so super tight. Uh, just how close these teams are. Boston, Washington, Philly, Islanders, Penguins. And listen, you, I think the Rangers are on the cusp of joining those teams in that conversation, and only four of them are going to make the playoffs. Two of these teams are being left home. Yeah. Which is which is even more because of the way it's set up and all these Canadian teams that stink are all going to get in the playoffs <laughs> while two teams in this two teams in this division are going to be left at home. Yeah, it's rough. And the East is certainly I, I think anyone would say the deepest the, the toughest division and uh you know I wrote the other day in a blog about the fact asking if the Rangers are a playoff team in this format and I went back to to the last uh shortened season in, tw- in 2012-13 and since then, you know, you need about 1.2 points per game to make the playoffs. If the Rangers want to make the playoffs, they're going to have to average 1.2 points per game and then on top of that like what you just said, they're going to need two of that of the Bruins, Capitals, Flyers, Penguins, and Islanders to not make the playoffs, and that's giving the Islanders or that's giving the Devils and Sabers as eliminated. So it's going to be tough. They, they not only have to win, but you need one of these super teams, one of these elite teams, these teams that make deep runs to just sort of falter. And uh, I don't know. It's 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 hard. I know we talked. I talked to you know um, mutual friend with us, Brian Monzo, the other day on the podcast, and he's adamant that the Rangers are a playoff team, but it's going to be really really hard. Well, especially, like, we're all assuming that the Devils and Buffalo are just going to suck, right? Like, yeah. we're, we're putting them at the bottom of the barrel. I watched both these Devil games against Boston. Now, I know Boston is a little banged up out of the gates here. Um, it, it could take them some time. Devils could have easily won both games. They lose in a shootout the first game, end up winning in overtime the second game. They've got three points already. They're ahead of the Islanders and the Rangers right now. Yeah. And, they played, and they played supposedly the best team in the division. And even if the Devils do end up sucking, the way that the season is set up, the Rangers have a stretch where they play the Devils four games in a row in a couple of weeks. They play the Devils four games in a row. Yeah. Like even even if the Devils suck and you're a good team, 
it's going to be a little hard to beat a team four got times in a row. <laughs> it just is. I mean, honestly, they're going to drop some points to to bad teams. I mean, it's just it's just the way that the season is set up. So it's going to be super tight. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be crazy. Uh, and we've already seen it crazy. I mean, the Islanders dominate the first game. The Rangers dominate the second game. And it was a little, uh, listen, well, we're going to get into it, a little unfortunate what happened to the Islanders yes. in the warm-up to the Saturday night game. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're taught from, uh, you know, age whatever, five in mites all the way through that you don't, sh- you keep the uh, shots low in warm-ups. And Cal Clutterbuck tries to snipe top uh, corner on Varlamov and hits him in the face. I mean, that's that's just something day one. That's, that's mite hockey, uh, you learn that. Uh, and I even love, Neil, that at least... And Trotz, like, he don't care either. He he just completely, you know, gave him the business after the game, you know, which yeah. I love. You know, a lot of coaches will just, you know, hey, you know, it happens. Well, Trotz is like, you cannot, you, you're taught not to do this. That was ridiculous what happened in warm-ups tonight. Trotz completely just lays it out there because he's the best of the biz. It is what it is. And, and, and but, God, and, and, and Sorokin's had so much hype. He really has. Yeah. The white whale. You know, I never thought this guy was ever going to come and play for the Islanders. He finally comes over this year. And I'm excited to see him play, but I thought that he was put in a real bad spot on Saturday night. Now, you're a professional. You should, you know, you, you, you're paid to be a goaltender. Mm-hmm. If you're told to play goal, go out there and stop pucks. But to find out 20 minutes before that you're making your NHL debut. Um, against a team that was definitely hungry after losing like they did on Thursday night. That was a tough spot. Were a couple of the goals bad? Yeah, but, like, who's stopping that Panarin breakaway? Like, who's stopping? Like, honestly, like, no, nobody's stopping that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it is, what it, it is what it is for the kid. The Islanders didn't help him out either. They looked awful. Yeah. No, I know. And I think, you know, when you're wanting to make your NHL debut, I'm sure that you'd like some time to, you know, visualize the game, think about right. it. You don't want to just be thrown into the, into it uh, in warm ups. These goalies, these goalies are like, you know, we say it about like closers too, right? Like they're creatures of habit. Like they're like, they need to like be in this mindset. Like yeah. it's all, some of these guys, you know, you hear about it. They have like, you know, 10 hour rich pregame yeah. rituals to get ready for the game that night. Like who the hell knows what this kid you know, usually does when he's prepared to mentally start a game. He finds out 20 minutes before. Not everybody's built like that. You no. know, Thomas Grice was, and that was the great thing about Grice. Grice was so laid back. Like, Trotz could tell him five minutes before, you know, you're playing tonight, and he wouldn't care. He would just go out and play. But some guys are a little bit mentally you know, they're built differently. And who knows if that kid was ready to go last night. Yeah, and so, I mean, certainly he got no help. The Islanders just didn't score any goals. But even the goals he let uh, in, I mean, the first one, the Buchnevich goal, uh, you know, Sorokin sliding one way, Buchnevich shoots it back the other way. That's tough. Panarin's was a breakaway. Kako's was, uh, you know, sort of a two-on-one wide-open net. So it's not like he gave up horrible goals either. I mean, he, some of these he had absolutely no chance on. No, definitely not. I mean, there was one or two that he probably could have stopped, but the Islanders gave him zero help. And, um, you know, of course, and this is, listen, this happens with Ranger fans. This happens with Islander fans. This, this happens with fans of any of any team. You know, of course, you know, the sky's falling after one game. You know, yeah. that's the guy stinks. You know, listen, he's played one game. The team sucked on Saturday night. Let's give the guy a couple of games before we want to ship him back to Siberia. Let's just relax. 
I yeah, mean, <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I, you know, what's funny is I think about, uh, you know, the first game of a season in any sport. I think back to 2016. I was, you know, I was at the dugout after opening day at Yankee Stadium. You were there. We were talking. Uh, that was the game the Yankees lost the Astros. Batances threw the ball away in the eighth inning. And uh. Uh, and I was fired up. And you were like, hey, it's just one game. And I was like, no, this team's not any good. And they ended up not being any good. They traded everyone away. But no. when you wait an entire <laughs> offseason – and you only have one game. Like after Thursday night, I was depressed. I was like, the Rangers suck. This, but it's it is one game. But when you haven't had hockey in ten months and you're waiting and you're waiting, and that's the type of effort right. you get, it's hard not to overreact to one game sample size. I think it's easier for like you just said it in this situation. It's easier after these two games for the Islander fan to go. It's one game because this team has a proven track record over the last two years that when they play a bad game. Trotz has them ready to go, and, and, they, and they bounce back, and they just had a playoff run, and it's the same exact team. Nothing's changed. You, the Islander fans should have some comfort after a bad loss like Saturday night to say, you know what, things are going to be fine. And I understand from a Ranger perspective on Thursday night, you're probably like, you're right. You waited 10 months. The only three games you played in that 10-month span back in early August, I mean, you got your doors blown off yeah. by Carolina in those three games, and that's it. You've had nothing else. You've still got a very young team. You've got new pieces that you've brought in. You've got kids like Lafreniere. You don't know. You don't have that same trust because you haven't seen the team do it yet. So that's why I understand uh, going crazy. And the season's shorter, yeah. like we just talked about. This Every is game 82 is big. Games. This is 56, and, and you know, the old – well, this game's worth, you know, uh, four points because it's a division game. Yeah, every game is worth yeah. four points. <laughs> They're all division games. Yeah, and I, and I think the thing that's sort of scary as Rangers fans is you have the team last year that opened it up. They weren't expected to do much. You know, they did get Panarin. They got Kako, so there was a little hype. But that last, you know, beginning of the season, they lost five in a row, six to seven to open the year. It wasn't good. Um, and then they had that you know after new year run where they won 16 out of 22 got in the postseason conversation and then they come back in the summer and they look like the team from beginning of the year so as a rangers fan we don't you know know what to expect is this the team that went on that run last january is it the team that stinks that's young and experienced are they still in rebuild mode and i think fans don't know should we expect the playoffs because they were in the expanded field playoffs it's it's a tough way to be right now but i mean for me you just really want to see them progress develop i don't expect them to contend for a championship if they get in the postseason you know i think they can get in as you know the four seed here in the east hopefully but the islanders on the other hand this is your window you guys are in it right now this is your chance to, to go all the way. No, Islanders 100%. They have to be in this playoff field. Uh, the way that they have constructed this team, the way that they are now bringing back the same guys that just went to the Eastern Conference Final, they need to be here. You know, the regular even if they're fourth, Neil, it doesn't matter. The Islanders have to be in this playoff field after the 56 games because of the, the way that they structured the offseason. Um, you know, you get Barzell back on the bridge deal. Uh, you lose Devon Taves because of a cap crunch. You don't get to add anywhere else. Could this team have used the Mike Hoffman? No, of course they could have. You know, they could have used some guy who could give him a little jolt on the power play. Their power play stinks, despite what happened on Thursday night. But um, they didn't. They couldn't do that because the team. You've got a lot of guys: Lee, Bailey, uh, Letty, etc., who are all on. You know, pretty good deals, making between five and seven million apiece. They just signed Pajot to a long-term deal, too. This year, you know, they got three years, I think, Neil, with this group that they have right now, and they have some young pieces sprinkled in with Dobson and Bellows and Wallstrom 
that they're going to start to become bigger parts of it. But, yeah, the window for the Anders Lee, Josh Bailey uh, Islanders, it's, it's two or three more years. Yeah, and and for an Islanders fan, I know you were sort of it was sort of overshadowed by the Bills on Saturday night. But you watch that game, do you get upset with that type of performance from this team because you don't expect them to have those kinds. At least you know you'll probably have a few throughout a year, but in a fifty-six game season, I mean, three or four of those—that's about the highest you can go. Yeah, look, um, I, I used to get real upset about games like that. I haven't since Trotz has been the coach because they've only had a handful of games like that, and every time they do, they usually respond by reeling off like three out of four or four out of five. You know, they, they, he usually really rides them good after a game like that, and I have to, you got to have confidence in the coach. They, ha- they have the best coach in the National Hockey League. Like, yeah. it's crazy to say it. It's the Islanders. It is what it is. They have the best coach in the NHL, and you have to put trust in him that he's going to have these guys ready when they go back out to play the Bruins on Monday afternoon. Like, that's just, that's just the way that he operates. So, you, in the 56 games, it's a little bit tougher. You don't want to have these. But until I see them play like that, three out of four games, two, out of, you know, two games in a row like that, three games in a row, that's when I would start to get worried. One game like that from a Barry Trotz coach team, I'm going to wait and see how the guys come out after before I start to think the sky's falling. Well, you mentioned how you think the power play sucks. What is, is it the power play? What is it that worries you the most about this Islanders team? What is their, you know, glaring weakness if they have one? Um, it's the same thing it's been for the last three years. I don't think they have enough punch. And you saw this in the Tampa series. They just don't have enough punch where if they play a team that can score a lot of goals, they're going to be able to keep up with it. As good a system defensively, as the Islanders play, and they want to beat you 3-2, to two, they want to beat you 2-1, to one. you know, you, you need to have consistent scoring. And, you know, Anders Lee and, and, and Nelson and Eberle and Bavillier, they're good scorers, but they can all, they all have cold streaks. You know, they just, they, they'll all go one goal in 10 games, you know, which you really can't have. They don't have a guy that you know is going to score when you need a huge goal all the time. You know, they, they, it's, a, it's big goals by committee with the Islanders. You know, each night it's a different guy. They need that guy um, that is a, a proven, no doubt about it, every night in and out goal scorer. And they just don't have that guy, and they haven't had him for two or three years now. And that's why they won't beat teams like Tampa in the playoffs. Yeah. That's that's a good point. I, I see that, and I think you know from a from a betting standpoint, I didn't even throw this into your awesome introduction about how great things are going for you. But the NHL prop bets for you have been unbelievable. But from a gambling standpoint, whenever I take the Islanders, they get down one nothing. I'm like, oh shit, I lost. Yeah, no, look, they, they, one nothing. No, they're no, no. Games <laughs> one nothing. But um, no, from a gambling aspect, yeah, the props at sports has been going great. Um, we're playing a lot of, uh, right now, Neil, early in the season, we're playing overs, man. Yeah. We're playing overs because, take a look, I mean, the play is sloppy. These teams didn't play any preseason games. The goaltenders don't look right yet. Now, things kind of got back to normal on Saturday. Out of the 10 games, only four of them went over. But um, we're going to keep riding this little over wave here. I've been playing a lot of power play point props where, Look, it's the same thing. They're calling a lot of power plays because play's sloppy. These guys are, you know, a lot of guys are going to the box. And you play the best players on each team. You know, like today, you know, you load up power play props on Ovechkin, Crosby, 
you know, Gensel, Backstrom, and all it takes is one goal. If you go, you get a, an Ovi goal assisted by Backstrom and somebody else, you could hit all three bets. It's a great way to play it. Yeah. I got to look into that because, I, you know, from following you, it seems like <laughs> the money's just flowing over there. Well, it's good. Like, and, and some of them, I try to play them where you're getting some good juice. So, like yesterday, I played three guys on the Sharks. You know, I played Burns, I played Hurdle, and um, I played Keller in that game from Arizona. So I'm playing three guys a game to keep it simple. And if they're all at three, you know, three to one or better to get a power play point, if one of them gets it, you're breaking even and it's paying for all three bets. If two of them get it, you're in, you know, you're in plus money. And if all three of them get a power play point, suddenly you're having a real good game. Yeah. So that, that's kind of been the little strategy that I'm throwing together with the power play point props. I like it. I like it because the other night I was uh, just looking at box scores. I, you know, checking out the Oilers, Oilers their first game, and I saw Yamamoto scored. You know, you see this guy. Then I see on Twitter uh, yeah. on your feed, and I'm and you're like, I got Yamamoto plus six hundred. This guy's like, holy shit, Carver's yeah. crushing well, that, it. That, that's called that's called uh, you know playing guys who are you know good by association. You know, nobody knows who Yamamoto is or, or, or Cassian, but guess what? Yamamoto skates with Leon Draisaitl, yep. which means Yamamoto is going to get the puck, and he's going to get the score. Cassian's playing with McDavid. I mean, God bless him, he stinks when he's <laughs> playing with McDavid. So you're going, to, you're, going to get him at, you're going to get him at plus 350, plus 370 to score a goal every game. I mean, God, he's on the ice with McDavid all night. He's yeah. going to score some goals this year. And yeah. um, that, that's kind of way. And, it, and like on Buffalo, they stink, but they got this guy, Tage Thompson, who's going to be playing you know, with Hall and Eichel. Well, God, he's going to... He's gonna luck into goals at plus four hundred. Yeah, you know, he's just he's gonna luck into them. So you got you gotta be there for when he actually scores them. Yeah, the Oilers are tough because they're that team. You know, the seven o'clock's here on the East Coast stand, and you're like, yeah, I'll play some ten o'clock games, and you always think, oh, you know, McDavid, Drysaddle. You know, you expect yeah. them to be better than they are, and then it's just the Oilers. They just stink. It is. They have no defense. Their goaltending is awful, and it's two guys, and that's it. Now. The, it's fun to play these Canadian teams. That they're all these games are going over. I think they finally had their first under last night in the Calgary uh, Vancouver game. But overs have been flying in that all Canadian division. Most of the teams stink. I mean, they all play offensive hockey. Toronto, Edmonton, Vancouver's got good offensive guys in, in Besser and Pedersen. You know, so you're looking to play props in that division. You're looking to play overs in that division. Uh, I can't believe, Neil. It's actually embarrassing that one of those teams is going to be in the Final Four. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. And, and, and people everywhere are picking Toronto as like a, the Stanley Cup champ. Everyone's talking. Toronto Please. fucking stinks. Jimmy Vesey's out there oh, yeah. playing on the second line. He couldn't even sniff to the top nine on yeah. the Rangers. Toronto, here's what, here, I'm going to give you the Toronto season. We'll come back and listen to this 56 games from now or even <laughs> after the playoffs are over. Here's what Toronto's going to do this year. They are going to whip on all these teams in the regular season. They'll probably have – I wouldn't even be stunned if they have the most points in the NHL because of what they're going to do to these teams like Ottawa and Winnipeg and Montreal and all these teams. But, uh, Austin Matthews will win the MVP because he's going to have the most points because he's going he's to whip everybody. And then they're going to go to the playoffs, and they'll either lose a seven-gamer in the first round to you know Winnipeg or Calgary – or they'll lose a seven-gamer in the second round to Montreal, Winnipeg, or Calgary, and they won't even make the Final Four. There's your Toronto season in a nutshell. Their defense sucks. They won't win in the playoffs. They never do. They'll have a great regular season, and then a good goalie like Hellebuck or somebody will knock them out in the playoffs. 
Yeah, and it's you look at their roster, and uh, certainly Matthews is great, Martin is great, but they have so much money tied up in them, and then the drop off to you know Nylander's there, but then they've got Thornton, um, you know, is the aging vet, but Jason Spez is still on the team, Jimmy Vesey's on the team, they have no D, Frederick Anderson's blah, and for a team like <laughs> you would you would think that they'd be stacked, but you look at their you know their eighteen man roster each night, and it's like this team fucking stinks. Team sucks. They've got all their money tied up in four players. Listen, they're four really good players, but they've got their money tied up in four offensive players. Their defense sucks. Their goaltending sucks. Their coaching sucks. <laughs> Everything about the team sucks. But they've got Marner. They've got Matthews. They've got Tavares. They've got Nylander. So they think the world's great. I mean, Jesus, Joe Thornton. The guy's 100 years old. Uh, honestly. <laughs> He's 100 years old. I'm actually shocked, Neil. That he came back to play this year. Yeah. I thought he was. I know he's still chasing this cup, and he went played all that time in San Jose. But God, you watch him out there. And I know he scored on Saturday night. He's a thousand years old. I cannot believe he's still I playing. Know. It's, it's scary. It's. I. I always uh. think back, and he has been in the league since I was in sixth grade. So that's <laughs> that's pretty nuts. <laughs> I know you're a couple years older than me, but like same time frame, almost like that's, well, I know. that's outrageous. I mean, listen, if you're still, if if you were playing when I was in high school, there's a problem. And now he was playing when I was in high yeah, school. Yeah, it's crazy. So, that's ridiculous. And and, and Jason really Spez is no, uh, you know, he's he's no uh, young gun either. He's he stinks. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I cannot believe he's still in the league, let alone on Toronto. Yeah. God. I mean, I don't want to see Toronto win. I'd love to see Thornton win. It's it's unfortunate he never has, but that would mean for him to no. win Toronto would have to, and that's he, that's not great. He, he, he ain't winning this year. No. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't winning this year. <laughs> All right, Carver. Well, the Rangers Islanders don't meet again now until February 8th, so two down, six to go against each other. By the time they meet again in a couple of weeks, the season will already be 25% over. So uh, we'll have to catch up and see where we are at that point of the year, but uh, a lot of more battles between these two teams. Yeah, it's going to be fun, Neil. Uh, like you said, when we get to that point, all these games are at different, you know, almost quarter points of the season, and they're all going to be crucial, uh, going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure both fan bases are going to handle this season very well. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Carver, thanks again for your time. All right, Neil, be good, buddy. Thanks. All right, thanks again to Carver for taking the time to come on and talk about the Islanders, who, you know, they look like, they did last year, and in Game 1, and then in Game 2, they looked like the Rangers did in Game 1. So uh, it's tough to get a real read on these teams so far. I do expect the Islanders to be there come postseason time. For the Rangers, I don't necessarily expect them to be there, but I think they can be there. Certainly, if they play the way they did on Saturday night, they'll be there. But the Rangers and Islanders now don't meet again till uh, February 8th, so a few weeks to go till the next meeting. Uh, two down, six to go, but the next time they meet will be 25% of the way through the season. So every game is big. We've talked about that uh, countlessly here. Every game is huge. Can't take any nights off. And there are no nights off in this East Division. So we'll see what they do on Tuesday against the Devils, who just uh, went 1-1 against the Bruins in their own two-game series. That'll do it for today. And we'll be back on Wednesday to talk Rangers-Devils. Thanks for listening.